Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Tuesday, September 6th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians finally uh, break their five-game losing streak, uh, get back to it. Uh, again, they have to go extra innings on Monday night. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez coming through with a two-run go-ahead double in the 10th inning, uh, and they get it done. Emmanuel Classe closes it out. Uh, for uh, the win. They stay in first place uh, by a game with the Twins losing to the Yankees earlier in the day. Uh, so exactly what uh, they sort of needed to open up this uh, six-game road trip. Yeah, definitely, Joe. It was uh, a, a much-needed win after, you know, just a, a bad home stand of baseball. And, um, you know, it it, re- it gave them a one-game lead, like you said, uh, after the Twins lost to the Yankees. And uh, I don't know if all is right in the, in the world of uh, Cleveland baseball, but it was it was a sigh of relief, I think, uh, in that uh, Cleveland dugout. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Terry Francona said as much in, in the postgame, it's nice to see a guy come through like Oscar did uh, when you needed that big hit. He actually went down and got, uh, a, a pretty good pitch uh, down uh, below the strike zone, and and he drove it uh, to the wall in left field. I, I was watching uh, Michael Taylor sort of circle that ball in in center, and he had to turn the jets on, and you could tell he he knew he wasn't going to catch up to it. Uh, Oscar, uh, you know, put a charge into that ball, uh, you know, down in the strike zone uh, to you know to to get it over his head. Uh, the, the 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 Royals went to the the strategy that the Mariners used the night before in extra innings, and that's when uh, Jose Ramirez came to the plate to start the bottom of the tenth. They intentionally walked him. They put him on base. So Ahmed Rosario, you got your two best base runners on the on the bases, uh, with Gonzalez, uh, you know, coming up after after Josh Naylor popped out. Uh, you know, it, it, it worked out with Gonzalez coming through uh, it, against Seattle. Uh, Naylor grounded into a double play, and and that sort of you know short circuited the inning, but uh, it worked out in the Guardians' favor on uh, Monday night. Yeah, uh, Joe, it, it's amazing with Gonzalez. He's done this a couple times. He looks like he gets fooled on a pitch. He gets mm-hmm. way out in front of it, 
but is able to, you know, keep his hands back. And, you know, when he, when that ball left the bat, you know, just watching at home, I thought it was just a, a you know, a pop fly, a fly ball to, you know, left center field, but the thing just kept going. I mean, he, he must be really, really strong to do that. Yeah, it must be, you know, he, there's no must be about it. He's, he is a strong guy. And, and that's the exciting thing about him is, uh, you know, he's, he's growing into that power. He, he's still gonna, you know, you know, keep growing. He could still even fill out a little bit on his, his frame too. Uh, he's, he's got really good speed, good arm. Uh, it, it looks like they've, they've found something there in a right fielder, uh, possibly if, if he can continue to control the strike zone the way that he has been, uh, he, he's done, he's, he's done a really good job since being called up, uh, when he's healthy, uh, as far as just the, the offense in general, what they've been lacking over the last, you know, week to, to 10 days plus, uh, this, the offense, what they have 12 hits in the game. They, uh, you know, they, they scored early, they scored first. Uh, they, they even had to resort to, uh, a, a, not necessarily a little trickery, but, uh, with a run around third base in the second, you got the, uh, the safety squeeze from, uh, Austin Hedges, uh, to, to score Andres Jimenez. Yeah, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. I mean, that has to be, I can't remember, that has to be the first one of the season. If not the first one, then the second one. Because, you know, Francona usually doesn't do that. And uh, just, uh, you know, it just, I thought it was a, a sign of desperation, you know, that shows you after scoring, what, four runs in 50 innings, that they were willing to do almost anything to, to get a lead, to get a run in. And, you know, it worked to their advantage. Yeah, I, you know, in, in covering the team every day, you, you, there are things that you kind of, you know, you maybe don't want to write about sometimes because it's almost like trade secrets. You don't uh, you don't divulge how or when they, they knew uh, or they, they picked up, a, uh, you know, a, a tendency, something that the, that the Royals were doing. Uh, all we know in, in talking to Terry Francona after the game was that Mike Sarbaugh, the third base coach, you know, picked up on something. He communicated it to Austin Hedges at the time, and and the play was on. Uh, they, you know, they sort of had a feel for it and knew what ha- was happening in the moment. Uh, so it's not like the call came directly from uh, the bench. Hey, let's do this right now. It was more they saw an opportunity and they went for it. Uh, because you're right, Terry Francona doesn't call for squeeze bunts uh, ever. You, you uh, I. I the, the the phrase that comes to mind is Tito doesn't squeeze. It, it just doesn't happen. We don't see it. Uh, and, you know, to, to have it happen in a game, it, it wasn't like they were just, you know, uh, going rogue and doing it on their own. But, you know, they have the green light, just like when you're stealing. Uh, if Jose Ramirez is on, the, on, on, on first base, you, you know that he has the green light to go whenever he feels comfortable. Well, with your best bunner at the plate in Austin Hedges and a pretty good base runner at third, in Andres Jimenez, uh, you know, there's going to be the opportunity. If, if, if there if there's the opportunity, then uh, those two are the guys that can definitely pull it off. And and they did last night. Uh, I don't know if it des- necessarily, you know, means they were desperate, but it certainly came in a desperate time. It certainly came in a time when uh, the team was struggling to, to score runs. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. Yeah, that was a great bunt by uh, Hedges, uh, you know, just uh, well-timed and uh, put it in the perfect spot. And I think, uh, you know, you had the stat in your game story with that third 
I don't know, some un, un, un ridiculous number when they score first, over 50 wins, or I, I'm not sure what, what the it's breakdown like, was. Yeah, it was like 52 and 14 or something like that when they score first. And and actually, it was funny because Tito had talked about that in in this pregame uh, 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 you know, press conference as well. Uh, he doesn't understand why they do so much better. Their splits are so ridiculous when they score first. Their uh, their slugging, their batting average, their OPS, everything is higher uh, when the other team scores first. And it, it it doesn't correlate. It, it's something that shouldn't really matter whether a team scores first or not, but uh, it, it just does. When when the Guardians are up by a run, uh, they you know early they can they they tend to hit the ball more than when they're behind by a run early. And and Tito said that the thing is. Uh, if you're up by one and then you add on, uh, if you score first and then you score next is what he said. Uh, it, it means that you're getting to their pitcher and you're usually able to chase him out of the game. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I think that's a league-wide stat too. You know, if the, the team that scores first has a big advantage or is going to, you know, it usually has the percentages are in favor of that team ending up with a win. Yeah. Uh, as far as you know what they did record wise you know they snapped a five game losing skid uh and they're 3 and 8 in their last 11 games but still they've won 15 of their last 27 26 of their last 46 uh they they won back to back extra inning games uh improved to 10 and 4 in extra innings and and 7 and 2 on the road in extra innings which is you know a, a pretty nice stat as well uh against the royals this is the this is the crazy thing, you know. They're they're only what seven and uh, what seven and five uh, against the Royals this season, uh, and but they've outscored. Uh, they've scored seventy runs. There there's like seventy and thirty. Nah, they've outscored the Royals seventy to thirty four, and yet they're they've uh, you know only won seven of the eleven meetings between the two clubs. Yeah, I think what the third game of the regular season they scored 17 runs. I mean, they beat them like 17 to one or 17 to two after losing the first two. What scores scoring one run in the first two games of the mm-hmm. season? That's way back in uh, April. But so you know, I think that's probably where that that differential comes from. Yeah, so, they're, they're plus 22 at at Kauffman Stadium, but they're four and four overall in the in the ballpark. Yeah, and uh, you know Kansas City usually plays these guys tough. And uh, you know I was looking at the lineups last night, Joe. Um, you know the Guardians with the youngest team in in baseball had uh, three rookies in the lineup, and uh, the the Royals with the second youngest team in baseball had five rookies in five rookie position players in the starting lineup. So you know that's a lot of, a lot of young guys running around out there. Yeah, one of those rookies, of course, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, robbed a fellow rookie, Tyler Freeman, of extra bases with a spectacular diving catch, uh, di- diving stop down the third baseline and threw him out. Uh, and then after the game, Tyler Freeman, uh, you know, he was talking to reporters and he said, yeah, uh, Freeman's cousin actually played on the same high school team as Bobby Witt uh, back in Texas. So Freeman actually, uh, you know, uh, he went right to his locker, got on his phone, texted his cousin, and told uh, told his cousin to give Bobby Witt a hard time about uh, you know t- taking an extra base hit away from him in a, in a major league baseball game. 
Yeah, that was a heck of a play by Witt. And uh, the bet, you know, the, it was a great stop, but the best play part was him getting up on his feet and, and making that throw across the diamond to uh, get Freeman by by like a half step. And uh, just, you know, this, this he's, a, he's legit, man. He, he yeah. He's a fun player to watch. Yeah, he leads the Royals with 20 home runs, too. That's, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive the, just what he's done at the plate this year. Uh, certainly uh, worthy of consideration as well uh, in, the, in the rookie of the year uh, balloting. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to mention him, you definitely got to mention uh, Stephen Kwan, who started off the game yesterday with uh, in the first two at-bats, uh, two consecutive hits, uh, adding up over uh, 483 is his batting average uh, in games at Kauffman Stadium this year. Uh, the the Royals are going to be happy. Royals and Royals fans are going to be happy to see uh, Stephen Kwan uh, leave on on Wednesday and, and head to Minnesota because uh, he has beat them up at the top of the order uh, this season uh, against the Royals for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, he could add four straight hits last night. You know, the yep. first two hits, and then you know, Witt robs him in the fifth inning with the line drive to to third, and then he lines out to uh, the shortstop in the seventh. So he, you know, he's it, it's good to see that because you know, to me, he looked tired during that last home stand. He really kind of struggled. The whole top of the lineup did, and to see Quan, uh, you know, start that game with two, you know, two hits in his first two at bats, that's a good sign. Yeah, two hits and two line drive outs, and he was he was definitely using some of that birthday energy. It was his 25th birthday yesterday, uh, so maybe he had some uh, maybe he had a funfetti funfetti cake in the uh, in the the clubhouse to to celebrate. I don't know, but uh, you know, definitely 25 years old looks pretty good uh, when you start the game two for two in a ballpark where you were at one time uh, last night. He was batting up over well over 500 in his at-bats at Kauffman Stadium. So, uh, you know, pretty impressive for the rookie uh, as well. Uh, you got to mention Josh Naylor. Uh, go after um, the Royals tied the game uh, on uh, uh, a two-run homer by uh, Drew Waters. Uh, Josh Naylor comes up, uh, immediately answers with a go-ahead solo home run in the sixth off Brady Singer. 421 feet, just missed getting it uh, to the to the uh, fountains in right center uh, that ties his longest home run of the season. The one he, he hit May 9th against the White Sox was a, uh, also a pretty impressive blast there. Uh, 17 home runs. Of his 17 home runs, 12 have either given the Guardians the lead or tied the game. Uh, so uh, we, we said this before. We did a whole podcast on Josh Naylor uh, being one of the most clutch power hitters uh, that we've seen in a Guardians uniform since uh, since Jim Tomey. Yeah, that was that was a big big home run right there. Like you said, a good good response after uh, you know Tristan gives up the two run homer uh, uh, to tie it up, and um, you know he's he's done that the whole season. You know he you know he's been he had coming off a quiet August, but you know hopefully this gets him jump started for uh you know the stretch run here for September and you know the the first week of October and gets him going again because they definitely need his bat Joe yeah that was it was nice to see uh that happen and like you mentioned Tristan McKenzie uh McKenzie kind of uh you know kind of labored through that start uh yesterday uh it, you could tell that the uh, that the Royals were 
we're trying to make him work and work deep in counts and and foul off some pitches. Uh, and, and the strategy worked. I mean, he was up over 100 pitches uh, in the in the you know sixth inning. So uh, you know he got in a little bit of trouble, but they they called on Sam Henches to to get him out of it, and and Henches came through as well. Yeah, Henches is uh, he's been really really hot. You know, I was surprised uh, um, Francona used him as much as he did. You know, this mm-hmm. guy pitched two innings Friday. He pitched two innings on Sunday and he comes back last night and and, and pitches, you know, one and a third. You know, he comes in and after uh, uh, McKenzie uh, gives up the sacrifice fly to Taylor to uh, to tie the game to or to, to bring him into. Uh, yeah, I, I think it tied it. Right. Or, yeah, it tied yeah. the game. Yeah, tied the game, and then you know Hedges comes in, and and Arhankis comes in, and uh, you know retires four straight guys. You know he just looks like, to me, he looks like a totally different pitcher, Joe. He looks like he's really found himself, kind of just uh, you know he he throws that slider now, the curveball, and he's not messing around. He's not walking guys. He's you know he's really challenging people. You know he he struck out what two uh, th- two of the four guys he faced last night. And it, and it looks like, you know, he's kind of like a heavy-duty reliever that, you know, Francona has really, you know, what, pitched three times in the last four games. Yeah, and and sort of the, the thing with with Henches has been working him and getting knowing that the stuff is there and getting him there in terms of being able and and ready in, in the, the right, like, headspace to, to pitch in those situations. Um, Tito talked in the pregame again yesterday about his two seam uh, fastball movement, his sinker and and just the you know how most guys throw have to take a little bit of velocity off to get that uh, that kind of movement that he has and he's thrown it at 97 and and that's you know that you, you're talking about like Emmanuel Classe type uh, you know stuff in in that regard coming from the left side and it looks like you know he's thrown it out of your uh, your to a left-handed batter it looks like he's throwing it out of your your right ear flap um, as far it's because his, his, you know, long limbs, long levers, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, a chance that his, his mechanics can get, get out of whack a little bit. So, you know, they simplified things and that's, and that's really worked for him so far. Uh, and, and, and Tito said that, you know, there's, there's a lot to like, and, and, and it's the reason why he's sort of been patient and stuck with henches as much as he has. And he said, people are now clamoring, oh, pitch him in the eighth inning, pitch him in these high leverage situations. And, and he said, yeah, we, we just had to get him there. We had to get him to that point. And now they're, it's it's starting to pay off. Yeah, what, the guy's 6'7", about 250. I mean, he's pretty intimidating out there when he's throwing like that. I mean, when he's throwing strikes, I mean, it's it's fun to watch him uh, pitch. And you, you can see that development. You know, last year he was kind of in and out, starter, reliever. You know, you you really didn't know what to make of him. And uh, this year he's been, you know, full-time in the bullpen. And uh, I was thinking, Joe, I mean, if they have to uh, – if they have to have some bullpen games going down the stretch here, if, you know, Savali and Polisak aren't back, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, would would you start Hedges as a as an opener for the first two innings? I, I, I don't know. I, I just, it just kind of popped I, into my head. I, I don't know if I, you know, maybe you start Brian Shaw again and let him go an inning or two and then bring Hedges in for two innings uh, and, and see if you can get him out, get him that way. 
Uh, maybe you don't start him against the the leadoff or, or or whatever to start the game. We we saw what happened last year when you know they they tried to to go with him as a starter. I, I think you can get more out of him. Uh, you know if you uh, you open with somebody else and then just come in with you know two three innings of of, of Sam Hentges. Uh, dealing the way he did last night, but you know the, the I'm sure the thought has crossed Tito's mind. Uh, you, there's a lot of possibilities when he's pitching the way he did the last two nights. Yeah, that that that's an exciting prospect, especially if you know they they don't if they're unable to kind of fill these two spots in the rotation. Uh, right. You know, you're you're probably going to have to mix and match here. You know, go in. You know, maybe I don't know what twice every what twice every week every time every you know twice. Every time to, through the rotation, you're going to have to, you know, kind of find an answer here. Right. Yeah. I okay. I, I, before we get to that rotation question, I, I, you, you said the word prospect. Uh, I, I just have to jump in with with something uh, that Tito mentioned while we were talking about Sam Hentges. Actually, uh, yesterday in, in pregame, uh, he mentioned a guy that was that's in the that's at AAA right now who is very much along the the same physical profile as. Uh, Hentges, a lefty. His name is Tim Heron, and he pitched in a couple of games in spring training. I don't know if you, you recall seeing him, uh, but he said that uh, Heron has, you know, he said, don't look at the statistics, don't look at the numbers, because right now his numbers aren't very good, but uh, his stuff, very much uh, similar to Hentges, very much similar to, he actually brought up Andrew Miller uh, in terms of the stuff that this this kid can throw. A uh, big, tall kid, 6'6", 250, uh, Tim Heron. He said he recalled uh, a game in spring training where Heron came in to pitch, and he said Brian Sweeney, the bullpen coach, called down to the dugout and told Tito, wait till you get a load of this kid. And he came out, and he was impressed. So uh, you had Terry Francona not only raving about Sam Hentges, but also raving about uh, a kid at AAA who's, you know, hasn't quite gotten things figured out yet in terms of uh, what the results are. But the the stuff is looking pretty incredible. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? And that was that was unprompted. He brought this kid up as we were talking about Henches. He brought this kid's name up unprompted. So, uh, so you know that that the kid left an impression. Yeah, that's a name to remember. Uh, as far as the rotation, you brought that up uh, again uh, yesterday. We found out Aaron uh, Savali. Um, no update so far on Zach Plesak, who, who has a, a fractured hand. Uh, we don't know when he'll be back. But Aaron Savali uh, threw yesterday uh, pregame. Uh, he's going to be we're going to watch how he recovers today um, and, and possibly uh, have him long toss on Wednesday if things go well. Uh, he's suffering from inflammation in his right forearm. He got injection uh, to, to try and calm that down. Uh, they're going to see how that works, but uh, the possibility of of him being able to come off when he's ready to, or when he's able to, in in terms of come off the the, the injured list on the what 14th, I guess he would be eligible to come off. Uh, the the way the rotation sets up now, uh, there's a question mark if 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 Cody Morris gets the start on Wednesday and stays in the rotation to start again. Uh, next Monday against Los Angeles, uh, then they would probably need somebody Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, and that's around the time when Savali would be able to come off. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, that that really encouraging. Uh, 
you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I think they're going to have to be really, really careful with Savali. What, this is the third time he's been on the IL this season. Uh, but I hope he could, I hope he comes back that fast. That would be great. Yeah. That's the, that's sort of the debate there that you gotta, you gotta, if, is, is it really worth risking his overall health and, you know, having to maybe, you know, go for surgery if, if that's an option for him, uh, if, if you try to pitch him and he blows something out, uh, you know, a, a third time this year. Yeah, you don't want. I mean, when it's you know when they say forearm, it's usually elbow, right? Right. And that's yeah. usually Tommy John. You know, that's what right. they're talking about. So right. they better be. You know, I, I know they would be very, very careful with them. And I know, you know, Savali talking to Savali over the weekend. You know, he he said, you know, there's something going on in there. It's not it's not a big thing, but it's obviously something that that we have to you know kind of get a hold of and, and calm down and, and, you know, get an answer to. So, uh, you know, so it, it, it it's going to be interesting just to see, you know, when, if, and when he comes back and does he have to make a rehab start or is he, is he just, has he been down, you know, a short enough time where he can just step back into the rotation? Right. And, you know, uh, the, the initial report, the initial examination from uh, you know, Terry Francona said when they came back was, you know, there's nothing structurally, uh, you know, wrong in there, just the inflammation. So that that was a good sign. But again, you you, you never know for sure. And uh, you, you look over at what Anthony Ghost has been dealing with since uh, since the beginning of July, and you you sort of worry about and wonder, you know, are, are both of these guys heading for some sort of surgical repair, uh, either in the off season or, or or coming up here soon. Uh, all right, want to shift gears? Uh, want to take a look right now at the American League? Uh, MVP race and the the chase for that award uh, early in the year. I, I think Jose Ramirez had a pretty good case uh, to go up against anybody in the in the league. But uh, as as the the season has worn on, uh, Aaron Judge has really sort of proven himself and and pulled away uh, from from pretty much anybody else. I, I think it's it's a runaway for Judge in the American League uh, uh, voting right now. Fifty four home runs, one hundred seventeen RBIs. And, and, you know, he's playing center field and leading off. He's basically the Yankees' entire offense right now as as they are, are in a funk. But uh, do you see anybody, uh, you know, any voter out there, uh, you know, be able to justify not voting uh, Aaron Judge uh, first place for the American League uh, Most Valuable Player? Yeah, I mean, Otani is always a compelling case. Don't mm-hmm. you think, Joe? I mean, he's, he's a pitcher. He, I mean, he, he's won 11 games. He's hit 32 home runs. I mean, we just don't you just don't see players like that. But I don't think the Yankees are where they are without Judge. You know, Judge, just to put, you know, add some perspective to uh, his 54 home runs. Cleveland as a team has hit 102 home runs. So this guy has hit more than 50%. He would have, if he was on Cleveland's team, he would have had hit more than 50, 50% of the home runs by the whole team. So it, it's, uh, you know, I think you've got to take that into consideration. And like you said, he's playing, he's hitting leadoff. He's playing, he's playing center field, a great center field. And uh, they just, 
if if he doesn't if he doesn't hit home runs, if he doesn't drive in runs, they don't win. Yeah. So I think that has to play a big big part in in any voters' opinion or you know any take on the uh, on the AL MVP race. And I think right now, Joe, if if they if the voting was announced today, he'd be the uni- unanimous pick. Yeah, and uh, and Otani would have to be in that top three. Uh, I think Jose Ramirez probably gets consideration. Uh, top five, definitely, maybe top three. Uh, but uh, but Judge is is the the only guy who gets a first place vote. I think on on any ballot, uh, and he's doing it in a year uh, that's that's really advantageous for him. Uh, you know, he decided not to sign uh, any sort of long term contract uh, going into the season. Uh, he bet on himself basically. And it's going to pay off because he'll be a free agent and he'll be able to 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 take the, you know, the the highest offer in the whether that comes from the Yankees or not. Uh, we saw Julio Rodriguez sign a 15 year contract for uh, a, that could or it could be 15 years and four hundred and seventy million dollars. Uh, and, and, you know, as crazy as it sounds, uh, it, judge could actually be worth more than that. Yeah, I mean, this guy right now he's he's at 8.5 WAR. He's on pace to hit 65 home runs. You know, set the American League record, break Roger Maris's record of 61 homers in in 1961. Uh, he's just having a, a monster year. And uh, how can the Yankees let this guy go, Joe? I mean, they've got a they, they'll have to sell uh, half. Maybe they'll make them part owner or something. Yeah. But, I mean, Maybe. they can't, they can't, they, you cannot, if you're Brian Cashman, you cannot let, uh, you know, you can't, you can't let this guy walk out the door. Yeah. Name a wing of the, uh, the ballpark after him or something. It, it, it whatever it takes to, to get him to, to stay. He does, he pretty much has to be a Yankee for life. Uh, if you're, you're coming from that perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I feel sorry for Brian Cashman because he's, there's there's no I don't feel sorry for I hate Brian Cash. I, 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 I you know you know what threw me there was Hoinsey busting out war and and using uh you know using <laughs> Hoinsey just casually dropping oh he's got an eight point five war like I believe Hoinsey's sitting there looking at everybody's war come on uh, this is where uh, that's what threw me that's what uh, that's what allowed me the the momentary sympathy for Brian Cashman I hate Brian. I hate Brian Cashman. There's no no way. They're, whatever. Oh, this is oh, it's maddening. All right, I'm I'm done. I'm walking away from this podcast now. <laughs> after that, after Hoynesy just slips 8.5 WAR casually into a conversation, it's like holy cow. Uh, we've got a game tonight. We've got Shane Bieber on the mound uh, against the against the Royals. Uh, this this is a game that that Shane Bieber needs to go seven innings and the Guardians need to win by six runs. There's there's just no two ways of looking at this game. Yeah, they do not need to go into extra innings again. Uh, you know, two games in a row, just uh, you know, with that runner on second base, it's it just you know, it's just puts such a a random you know roll of the dice. And I was wondering, Joe, I didn't get to ask you this, but what did you what were you thinking when uh, you know Class A and you know Class A kind of lo- it looked like a tag a tie at the bag for the final out? What were you thinking there? You know what I had I, I put my head down immediately and I started and I finished typing my game story to to post it because I knew he was out because from my from my vantage point and it, with the naked eye it looked to me like he beat it and I I said if they go to the replay it's going to be uh, it's 
it's going to be overturned and the game's going to be over. So I just put my head down and I started writing because uh, I, I, I sort of uh, I, I I bet on Class A there. I thought uh, <laughs> I I thought it was it was it was an interesting decision uh, not to uh, not to flip the ball to Naylor there to try and, and take it yourself. I think he was a little bit too casual, but uh, you know it worked out for him. Uh, you know that's. Hey, you got you got to ride with Class A, man. He's he's been nothing but uh, spectacular all season long. Yeah, Matt Underwood had a great call uh, on TV. On uh, somebody asked him, he goes after the game. He goes, if this would if this was a horse race, you would have said the Guardians won by a nose. But since it's a baseball game, you you have to say they won by a foot. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly it. Uh, a, a lot of fun at the ballpark tonight. Hoping for uh, for more of the same. Uh, here uh, uh, this evening as, as Shane Bieber gets on the mound. Uh, Hoinsey will check in with you tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.